Welcome to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we will discuss all things related to physical preparation, including rehab, performance, and education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Training Room Talk, uh, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. I'm Dr. John Herding, here with Dr. Coach Rob Rabina. How are we doing? Almost going, doctor. Yeah, I know. Um, and we, we have a special guest today with Coach Jim Ferris, who is a legend. And as we're recording this, we're going through the COVID-19 scare, and he's a national celebrity because he started this Cheers and Chug Challenge. And, um, and he's currently a celebrity being retweeted and reposted by people all over the world. So congratulations on that, Jim. Thanks. I, I think thank you. I don't know if I'm going to say thank you in a month. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Jim, you have an extensive history. You've cha- trained everyone from, you know, you know, as low as I think, like you've trained elementary school and definitely middle school kids, right? Right. And then all the way up through, you have a huge book right now of um, professional basketball players. So um, you've really trained, trained it all. You've been in the industry. We were just talking about it 18 years. Um, so the topic we're going to discuss with you today is how you've seen like trends you've seen coming up through the industry, where you see it now and where you see it going um, as we work through um, the current um, epidemic and coming out of it on the other end. But um, we'll just kind of let you roll with it. What are some of the things that you've seen um, over the past 18 years and how do you see some of those things changing um, moving forward? So the one thing I, I've had a lot of conversations with people about, right, is, you know, say what you want with the word load management, right? Like, how, what is our role in that as a coach? And how do we help athletes in terms of their day-to-day stresses and to push performance to keep progress going? And, like, I happily share this because I look back at, like, my days with the Sixers, right? And this was before load management really existed. Um, you have a guy like Iverson that will play Tuesday night, right? but he, he doesn't train Wednesday, he doesn't train Thursday, and then he's playing Friday night, right? Again, so it was like one of those things, like it wasn't making sense to me back then, but then it really started to click to me like, okay, well, this is what's keeping him healthy and keeping him playing in, in a way, right? So he's limiting impact and he's doing some other stuff. And I look at it, I compare that to what we're looking at nowadays because, you know, you have a, an 18 year old kid getting to college and I say it, they're, en- they're anything but fresh, right? Freshmen are not fresh. They are worn out athletes at the age of 18. It's like they have the history of like a 28 to 30 year old athlete. And how is that happening with, I guess, our position being a strength coach, performance coach, uh, the skills coaches, the amount of exposure clinics that they go to in games that they play. Um, I think it's really had to change my role of what I have to be able to do to help that person. So, you know, when someone came to me in 2005 for like what, like a plyo agility change of direction, speed and conditioning session, right? Like you, you worked on a little bit. Um, My approach now it's it's more coaching um, positioning of getting them in better position to do a cut. Right. Because I know that they're going to leave me after that session. They have a skill session. 
which isn't just skilled, right? That skilled person is probably running them, doing stuff that's more on the fitness side that we'd probably like to see, but you know, it's out of our control. And then they go to a team practice where they have like a, another team practice, which is also running and all those other things, right? So if we're looking at the 168 hours of a kid's week, how much practice they have and how much skill sessions they have, and then they're coming to us, we're usually third, we're usually not the priority, um, at least in my experience, we're the ones that get bumped, right? Like no one ever says like, uh, I'm going to my strength coach, I'm canceling my skill session, right? It's- Never, never. <laughs> it doesn't never. happen. Never. Um, we're always the one that gets like, eh, we, we'll do without you today. So I just feel like it's like, we have to look at things different and I don't, whatever words you want to use, right? Like resets or physical prep, but it's just getting them to do things better because that one hour that we might have with them three times a week versus the other 12 that they're doing training probably in skill work. It's like, you know, what is our role at that point and how do we influence it and give them the right stuff to do? So, they can certainly not, not saying survive the skill sessions and the other stuff, but like to keep them healthy so they can play. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, I just, it's so different for me now. Like, even though I do get to train some people hard and do some certain things, but it's like, I have to look at their full week and know what's on their plate. I have to. Like, stress I, I manager, can't. Jim, you're a stress manager. It is. It's, it's not That's a word for it, right? Stress pretty manager. Much what it is. Yeah. So it's like, but having those conversations are tough because parents don't, you know, a lot of times with me, it's like the parent is picking the kid up from the car. And if the kid doesn't come out like sweating profusely or like looks like he's been through the ringer, they're like, what do you do today? Like, I'll get a text. Be like, and I'll be like, well, this is what we worked on. It's like, why? And it, Cause I'll get, I'll get like drop off texts from parents. It'll be like, Hey, crush Johnny today. I'm like, okay <laughs> sure and yeah. you have to realize like the person that is paying you right so it's like i get what you want but yeah, yeah. it's challenging always that's always a balance yeah give them what they want but do what you think's best yeah because like i said you know you can do you could do 55 minutes right and you have to throw something at the end just to crush them so the, you know, and they could throw off the whole thing that the whole session did for them. Yep. You know. Yep. So yep. it's just so, funny. It's interesting. Um, I agree with you, Rob, completely. Like we we're just stress managers, whether you're a coach or a physical therapist or whatever. You're just managing all the different, and we almost become the people that are managing all the different stresses of their life and giving them um, input and recommendations and how to improve sleep. Like I see you post about it all the time, Jim, about improving nutrition, improving sleep habits, and how it just becomes part of the whole into the training and then managing all the other skill sessions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you, you train in the, in the private sector. And so how are you managing? Are you connecting? Are you letting parents try to manage it? Or do you take a, do you step up and then try to connect with some of their skill coaches and um, sports coaches to manage the process? Or are you sometimes letting a sport coach manage the process between you and a skills coach. How do you coordinate that as they have all these different coaches trying to manage certain aspects? So 
depending on, on the athlete, maybe the, the training level, um, I don't sit there and watch them do some of their training, right? So if I know like I have an athlete coming in and they're going to go do a skill session next, I might have them, I might contact a skills coach and say, look, like, do you mind if we mix in the running session or the, you know, whatever conditioning part that they're doing on the court? Because that's, you know, it's, it's a little better for them in the, in the, at, at this point. So I, I do work with the skills coach if they listen, if they want to connect and say, look, like, uh, you know, this is a high intensity day for so-and-so. So if they're coming to you, like, uh, this is what this kind of stuff that we want to see on the court. And then if it's a low, because like, the problem is if I have someone come in for like, you know, call it low intensity work, and then they go and they get a high intensity crush in a skill session, it's like, it kind of throws things off for me at that point. So I'm, I'm very open to communicate with the parents and the other coaches involved and say, look, like, let's make a plan because it's not about me. It's not about the skills coach. It's about the person that the person that we're sharing mm. and we're trying to get that person to optimize, right. Maximal, you know, results from everything. And I think we miss it too often because there is no communication, yeah. right. It's like, there's too many different things going on and we're not getting the, the responses that we want. And it's like, you know, it's just, it keeps running that way year after year, even though we've gotten better at it. Um, but it, we're still doing it to people. Like it's still happening. It's like, man, like we can't, you know, what can you do? Yeah. Do you, have you been able to grow relationships with some of these people just in your immediate area or how, how is the general response when you reach out to a skills coach or a sports coach um, in trying to coordinate the effort? I mean, I've had certain skills coaches I've reached out to five to 10 times and I've not gotten a response back at all. Um, I've had a couple who are a hundred percent on board with it because like they, they know me and my clientele. It's like, okay, it's like, look, I can make you look better as a skills coach if you implement the right type of running, right? Like watching like half-ass suicides being done on a basketball court, like it's just painful to me. That was my um, next question, Jim. <laughs> how do you what? deal with this? That was my next question. It was gonna be how do you deal with the, the basketball culture of just like suicides and punishment runs and the grind, you know, that it's kind of grind. Stuff. Yeah, it's grind. It's hard. I mean, it is, it is so hard. Um, and I'm going to do all I can to, to cover my ass and make sure people are aware of what I want to see done because, you know, I'm not going to let it come back on me, um, as a professional. Um, but I, I just say, look, like, cause people say they're going to listen and then I can go online and see a, a live <laughs> Facebook or Instagram and I watch them in the skills workout and I'm like, Oh, okay. This is nothing that you said. Okay, sure. So I think where I'm lucky though is my professionals I've had for mostly over a decade. Like I've had a lot of pro guys in the area since they were in high school and when they're in the gym and they meet my next generation of hopeful pros, my, you know, like the kids that are coming up and they have the conversation with them as well it helps because the kids are like oh you know this guy's trained with jim for 14 years right like i have a guy reggie redding i had him since sophomore year at st joe's prep played four years at villanova he's now 32 years old he's played you know Bayern munich and the higher levels of, of euro league uh he got some a couple nba calls to training camps so when i have those guys i have good pros you know um there's some there's some nightmare stories out there and people you can probably look on my 
my page and you won't see them with me anymore. Um, there's reasons like there's some people who you know, they're professional athletes, but they're not pros to me. And it's, it's the way you handle things, um, you know, on the court, off the court. And uh, it's, it's just the approach. So, right. yeah, I think my pro guys are a big help to me to get the message out. Gotcha. That's, that's good. That's huge to get. I mean, that'll get because then hopefully they're advocates for themselves and they can get on the skills coach that hasn't responded to you and say, Hey, look, you need to talk to Jim because he's just trying to coordinate for, um, to make all of us look good and yeah. to share an ultimate goal. Yeah. I, I mean, I have some simple templates that I will take down and give a skills coach and say, look, like if we're going to do these runs and you can clock things, time stuff, like have a purpose to it. Like, you know, yeah. don't just run and make the runs look even worse. <laughs> it's like, right. You know. So Jim, some in, maybe some insight for you. And this is a question I thought of as you're going through all that. It seems like um, the younger generations are training more and are more overworked and stressed than ever. Right? right between between school and then having all these different coaches and being on competing year round on AAU teams, uh, it seems like they're training harder and putting more mileage on their bodies than ever before. Right. But then when they get to, I don't know so much college, but especially as they get to pros, then you're getting into more time management and give me some insight. But maybe they're playing less than they ever have, but it seems like injuries are on the rise. Right. Um, you know. Do you think it's because of the mileage they're putting on their bodies earlier? Do you think like, what are some of the reasons do you think that that might be occurring where these kids seem like they're overtrained young and then they're not training enough by the time they get the pros because of all the stress management? So I think education's lacking, right? Um, understanding what training is and how we progress and what really is higher level, what's intro level type stuff. Um, I feel like a lot of people get emotionally attached to things. It's like they did this when they were 15 and it worked, right? So they think it's going to work when they're 25, right? Like uh, shooting all, you know, every hour of the night, like, you know, God rest his soul. You hear, you hear about like the Kobe Bryant stories, right? Like, um, but that was always my conversation with people. Like you're applauding him. He was probably what, 31, 32 on the Olympic team. And he was in the gym at 2 a.m. and he called the strength coach to come at 4 a.m. And practice was at 11. And Kobe didn't play his last couple years, right? Because I don't think he had anyone in his ear that he could listen to about load management, stress management, all that stuff. And he was just doing the same thing that got him there, right? He never adapted his training. And it's, it obviously is what made him a mental, like, a mental genius on the court like you couldn't fit, get in his head but he physically he was breaking down and I just think you just went back to the same things that he he thought it worked you know that worked when he was at Lower Murray and it worked in his early years but he didn't adjust right and that's what pros have to do at some point if you want to continue to play you have to adjust right. and I think that's what we're looking at now it's like um, especially basketball. I mean, I mean, Rob, I don't know about baseball, but like if you lose game seven of the world series, um, the pitcher is not going out and playing pickup baseball the next day, are they? No. no, basketball, they will be on the court after game seven, the next day after losing yeah, NBA finals. Like it's, it's just like they live on the court. So 
you know, I just think the education has to be there. Like what is training? What is progress for you now at this point of your career? And that's where we come in, right? That's with all everything that we do. Um, but we have to get them to look at things past like workouts and training sessions versus seeing the bigger picture more of longevity, how we're going to keep you on the court, how we're going to help you get the next contract as well. Right. Cause that's what it is at this point. It's business for that person. And you want business to last, right? You don't want to sign a, a three-year lease and then be closed, right? You want to extend the lease. You want to sign another one and you want to make money and, and last. So I think that's part of the challenge um, is people just show up and just do grind, grind work, mm-hmm. right? There's, yeah. there's no, there's no like, Hey, we're going to, they'll just be on the court for endless hours. They'll do endless running without measuring things or having a reason for it. So it's just, uh, you know, they were already going to be a pro, right? They were just better than everybody else in the area, but yeah, you go back to what you thought that worked and that's what they do. Well, I think that speaks to um, everybody thinks more is better. Like I even had a strength coach that we're treating right now say, you know, the exercises really help, but I had a little setback. Maybe I just need to do more. And the response was, no, we need to figure it out because more is not always better in the situation, but we're all in this mindset of, oh, if I'm not in shape, I need to run more. Or if I'm not getting strong, I need to lift more. Um, But like like you've said many times, it's, it's figuring out where things fit. And right. you can actually lift less and get stronger. You can run more and get and see better results. You just have to manage it the right way and have the right people guiding you. Yeah. Like I'll do a lot of stuff with people to like teach them a lesson to get them to understand what I want. I'll do like a, you know, like an eight to 10 second sprint and we'll do repeats until like there's a 10% drop off. Right. And then when they tell me like, Oh, I can, I can run another. And I'm like, no, you're missing the point. Like, there's a reason of what we were doing today and to show you like what we were looking for in the training session. And this is why we end the training session because you did not hit metrics. You didn't hit numbers. This isn't about grinding. This is about output, a specific stressor that we're looking for you to do. Right. So that's been, that's been a good one for me to help people kind of get a little bit and it keeps them competitive as well. Right, because when you're when you're seeing that ten percent drop, you're not getting the explosiveness. You're not getting the physiological right. change you want to create change in the system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, been something. It's it's just worked for me over the past few years. Yeah. Jim, what have you seen like over the years? Like a shift in focus of training. Like, was there an emphasis on conditioning, strength, mobility? You know, where has the where have you seen the big buckets shift over time? Um, I would say at this point now, um, I think every I don't, I don't think I've seen one thing take the head over anything. I think it's all still there. Yeah. Um, I think mobility has been a big thing though, like that people say they want their people to go do, right? Um, we've had a big influence with FRC. Right. Um, so you, you see that a lot implemented with, with teams at the college level, the pro level, um, yoga, right. People say, go do yoga. And it's like, why, you know? So, I mean, I'm, I'm certified. I, I taught it for a while and I always tell people, I'm like, I don't want you to go to a yoga class to compete for a pose. Right. Like 
if anything, I'm, I want you to go to yoga for just the parasympathetic influence, right? The environment change, um, work on your breathing, relax, like turn your brain off. You know, it's not turning off, but like just get out of your normal stress environment. Um, that's been a big thing for me because you, you see, you know, yoga getting thrown in at spring training and all these other places. And I'm like, why are we throwing what 30 athletes worth like what a hundred million dollars and just saying you're giving them poses to just kind of run through it's like i get it it's a checklist and you're saying we're doing this and that but i just think there's a better approach that we can take whether it's individually or you know from a team perspective um so that's been one of those things i've seen a lot lately and i've, I've had a lot of discussions with coaches because they'll ask me they'll be like should we bring in a yoga instructor or should we bring in a pilates person and it's like well why what are we doing because you know, I put in physical prep work and I put in restorative things already. So why do you, I always want to ask, why do you think this would be good? And coaches usually don't have an answer, right? It's like, so it's like, okay, do we really want to use that hour, you know, two, three times a week for that? And I'm not trying to drive people away from yoga, but it's like, you know, when we say mobility, it's like, no one really even knows what they mean, right? Like, how, do you even know why you're tight? why do you want more range of motion there? Like you have to have an answer and you know, I don't, you know, that's just where I am with it right now. I agree but, with that. I, mean, I, feel, I feel like sometimes like there it's interchangeable with recovery or if someone's only getting in four days a week, a coach wants to throw in a fifth and they're like, Oh, you might as well like just throw in yoga or Pilates. Yeah. It's almost a like reason. a late, it's like a lazy answer. Yeah. And I'm not knocking yoga like at all. Right. But you know, Cause the funny thing was, is I did it, um, a handful of times up in Villanova and I got to witness like Sunday evening post football. Okay. So, um, John and Rob, you're, you're the wide receiver. Okay. So we're in a warrior two for about a minute. All right. And you're just breathing. Feels good. Right. Maybe you're in a little parasympathetic sense. I don't, I don't know if I can guarantee that, but you're, you're you look calm, you look relaxed right? Right next to you is the 330 pound offensive lineman in warrior two, sweating, dripping, getting crushed. He's not parasympathetic. <laughs> it's like, he hates it. He does not enjoy it. So that was one of those things where I was like, man, I was like, are we really, really doing what we're telling that person is happening? No. I don't and know. I, and I, that brings back the point that you said earlier was, um, you don't want people to fight for a position in yoga. Like right. just clinically, we see a ton of people that come in because they're fighting for those positions and they get hurt. Right. And, it, and we have to have that discussion. We, it's like, you know, people find their niche, right? Like who loves yoga? Hypermobile people, yeah. right? That are good at yoga. Mm -hmm. But if you ever see them take a strength class, probably not that great. If right. we're going to say, if we're going to give a generalization of it, mm -hmm. um, but it's like, wow, they can hold these poses for minutes, but then they can't do a goblet squat with like half their body weight. Right. right. So it's like, you know, that's where they fit. They're really good at it. That's, that's their sport. It's a sport for mm -hmm. them. Right. It's yeah. just their, their body fits that scheme. Right. Right. 
Um, so when you started, were you taking into account um, as much nutrition, thinking about his sleep as much, or is that something that's kind of evolved to take more of a forefront in like as people have become more aware of how these things influence or some of the extracurriculars influence strength and conditioning? Um, I'd say it's evolved. I, I didn't touch much of it early on. Mm -hmm. uh, for sure. I mean, there wasn't that much information being shared, I feel like, at our level uh, of training. Um, but now you see everything with like, if you're, if you're getting into the blood labs and like looking at blood and seeing how, you know, if all, th all three of us here ate an apple, right? How do you absorb it? How do you digest it? How does it turn into energy for you? It's uh, all that type of thinking is like really probably pushed me to where I am now with like, helping people understand these things and offering those types of possibilities for them. Right. Like yeah. track your sleep, um, you know, report to me daily on energy levels. Uh, are we doing like a hand dynamometer squeeze when they come in every day? Like I've done stuff like that. I've done jump mat testing, you know, flipping days during the week. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, you know, we were supposed to do this today, but maybe we shouldn't, maybe we can just push it back a day. Cause this is going to be a better, you know, possibility for you for outcomes. So I've, I've become a lot more pliable, I think, and just like with the, with the information that I'm getting from the client and just trying to help them understand like this is, this is where we are for you at this point. Well, you know? and then how much does a lot of that stuff really matter when I feel like the pendulum swings to you have your coaches that are all strength all the time, just train hard, get strong. Then you have mm -hmm. these coaches that are all based on getting parasympathetic position, um, you know, helping someone recover. And then the pendulum always kind of swings back to the middle where it's a combination of a little bit of both. So uh, yeah. how much does some of that extracurricular stuff really matter is um, I'm assuming it's client dependent often when you see right. where it fits, but. Um, right. well, well, what was the team's record usually matters, right? Yeah. If the team's winning, the, it just looks like it's a great program, right? Mm -hmm. But if the team's losing, then it's like, oh, it's probably the strength coach's fault. Right. <laughs> so everything's the strength coach's fault. Hundred percent. I say it all the time, right, John? Yeah. Oh yeah. But no, it's like, can you find that happy median? Um, and right, because when we generalize something, right, some are going to get better, some are going to have no change, and some are going to get worse. That's just generalization to me. That's how it works. Um, I don't think we have enough. Um, individualized programming in a team environment where it's like, look, like, Hey, this is what this guy has to do for progress. Like he only has to do these three lifts. Uh, you, you played this amount of minutes, you have to do this and you have to do this for conditioning. You know, I don't think we see enough of that at this point still. Right. Um, but like I said, this, that's just from my, my personal view, you know, um, so where do you see things going? So that's, you know, you've kind of gone over the state of what you see in the industry now, how you've evolved a little bit. Where do you see things going over the next one, two, five, ten 10 years with the industry? Where, where, um, how are we going to make progress? I think that we're, we're going to see what we're doing right now, right? We're on technology, mm -hmm. right? I think we're going to have a lot more, uh, private sector involvement at the professional level, right? Like if you, if you watch it, like pro guys travel with their skills coach, they bring out their shooting people, like they, they're doing that stuff. And I used to think that was wrong, 
right? Because you have your own coaching staff and you have your own whatever. But in the, in the real world, if you're going to be with that person for five to six months away from the team environment, right? I, I think you have to involve the private sector at some point. Like you have to have them in. I think it, I think it matters. Um, you know, I, I had an MBA guy a few years ago and he was pretty much coming to me because he just wanted to get away from the team. Right. And then I couldn't even get a program from the team. Like I was like, what, what do you want me to do with them? It was like, do some clamshells and just do some other stuff. And I'm like, no, I was like, now it doesn't look like we're on the same page. Right. Like it's, it's, if you're training with me where I'm sending a person to come out and see you guys, like it's, it should be continued progress, not a restart right not something different like it should be fluid and i think um i think something has to happen like right before preseason like um the pro the pros can invite in the private sector people to be there for like two you know two or three days or something like to connect people and say look like uh you know here's what here's our expectations for this player and this is what's going to happen to him for the year and do the same thing as as the offseason happens Right. Just show that we're all connected and all together. Um, I just think I think that's something that will happen eventually. Yeah, because like I said, the, the strength coach is pretty much an in-season maintenance coach for a lot of a lot of things. And, you know, I'm not trashing that in any way, but it's like, you know, what do you it's it's you have an 82 game schedule or you have a 162 baseball schedule. It's like you're doing what you need to do at that point. But the offseason, the other stuff shouldn't just be like, I don't know, see in preseason. Right. Um, it's like, we should be like, thank God this player is coming back to Philly and working with John and Rob or going to see Jim. Right. It's like, and maybe there's something that we can do with that. Um, I think there should be like a professional site in each city where like pro teams can say, Hey, like this is our testing quarters, or this is like where we want you to report to. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you might work with someone like, like if you guys are the baseball guys, that's what I call you anyway, I call Rob. But if there's a baseball player coming back and working with me, but Rob's still the baseball guy, like, you know, there's maybe he's like the guy that says, Hey, you know, what are you doing with this guy? Or how do we report this? Or how do we connect on things? Mm-hmm. You know, I just think there's a lot of lack of communication uh, outside the season. Yeah. Like it's almost like every professional or, um, you know, there should be like a vetted list of professionals that they recommend for these athletes right. to go back to maybe. And whether and I, it's like an NFL certified or an NBA certified trainer or clinician or whatever. Correct. And yeah. I've, I've actually submitted that to the NBA already. Yeah. So just to say, look, like here's your trusted places to go. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're going to train your guy, you still have to go meet with the head of, you know, your area to, right. so he can check in and, you know, do whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. Cause like I said, it's like, right. Like, I mean, I mean, Jeremy, and with all the pro baseball players that we're seeing, like some teams, some organizations, there's some good communication and some there's, there's none, you know, there, there has to be, there has to be a better way to have better outcomes for the players. And and I a hundred percent agree with everything you just said in season coaches are pretty much just maintaining and especially in baseball, when it's like July and August, guys aren't working out, if at all. Yeah. You know, maybe once a week for that last month or two. Yeah. So, it's you know, it's it's a problem. And then they come to you and they're out of shape and 
you have right. to get them ready. It's like, oh, okay. Right. Uh, I think having a good, you know, pr- like, okay, like this is what we expect, you know, Johnny to come to spring training looking like. This is what we want to see. This is how he left. You know, what do you see? What do you think you need to work on? You know, I think yeah. having that that uh, ability to provide your opinion to help the player is, is always something that we want to say. Right. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I think we've we've probably all run into situations where organizations try to usurp some of your opinions and there's not a good back and forth and how can we both best help this player. Right. And so there, there has to be – and we talk about it with everything, like drop your ego. We have a common goal of making this guy better to keep him in the league and help your team get better. So let's make sure that we can do that together and just have a, an honest discussion of where we think we – what we need to do to get them there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, needs, there needs to be more of that. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just helps with the management of the athlete right. for the best interest. Right. And, and if you see more private sector guys getting into the professional ranks because the players want them there, I mean, that just helps in the multifactorial way of looking at things. Even if you're just helping a guy's psyche, and he feels he's better to prepare because he's surrounded by his people. Yeah. He trusts, um, you know, more than, you know, sometimes I know people, uh, well, whatever, think what they do, but I think it's, if he has an entourage of people that we know are good people and that just helps his psyche going into a season where, Hey, you know what? I trust this guy. He's really trying to make me get better. It's not a political thing with him. It's not a contract thing, but he really wants to improve me here. Yeah. You know, to me, it just, it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, because it's like if you invite them down for like the first week of like, you know, preseason, whatever training, yeah. and they get to like, they get to sit on the sidelines as a spectator, right? And observe like your warm-ups, your physical prep, um, what you have to deal with as a professional strength coach, right? Dealing with coaches, dealing with the head coach, like doing all those things. And then when they go to the weight room, like, yeah, they can come in, they can assist, like they can spot, like they can like, right. Do that with you there. Right. Right. Like why does a strength coach want to walk in with one on 15 and try to organize that when it's like, all right, cool. Like, you know, these five will go now, those five go later. And it's just like you connect everybody together Mm -hmm. and yeah, you know, you're probably going to have some, some battles of stuff that you like and don't like or things of that nature but it's still showing that there's going to be a connection. Like it's going to, you know, it's not like, Oh God, get me out of here. I can just go hide with my guy, you know, for six months. It's like, let's, let's do this better. Let's just not like, let it just disappear. Right. Yeah. Cause this is where the injuries come from. Right. It's like, there's no tracking in the off season. None. Yeah. Right. And they're, you know, people are just doing what they want every day. And yeah, that's well, where the mess happens. So I have one last question for you. Um, So what do you think about the professionalization of a coach? So 18 years ago, um, you know, did you feel like you, you were as professional as you are now? Do you feel like the public or the players saw you as a professional that's actually helpful or everybody was just kind of, Hey, you know what? Jim's a personal trainer. It's a hobby. He's eventually going to get a real job and he's, you know, going to stop playing around trying to, you know, teach classes. I think it depends on the environment, right? Like, you know, when I was like 25 going to like family parties, it was like, oh, that's cute. 
you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I was like, no, like, I'm, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Um, but no, I think the professionalism at this point, it's, I, I think it's just the way we take care of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I think there's a confidence of talking to people differently now than 15, 18 years ago. Um, you know, I used to like, I remember when I first started with the NBA stuff, I'd be like, man, I used to like play that dude, like on, on PlayStation. Like, this is like the real deal. And now it's just like, I see a guy, it's just a guy to me. It's just another, it's another athlete. Right. And it's like, you know, I think I've, that's where my experience has probably pushed my professionalism a little bit. Um, just it's like, all right, you know, who are you? What are we doing? How are we doing it? Right. And I just think I've been exposed to everything, right? I've been exposed to every type of personality and type of client. Like I can handle anybody, I think, you know? So I, I think I just, I have a good, I think I do a good job of listening. Um, and I let people talk and I let, cause that's like, it's, you know, my, our goal is to help, right? It's not to force, it's to help and just find what works for them, right? Like if you're getting a, an athlete that's 16 years in, and somehow they come across your plate. It's like, all right, they have 16 years of training experience. And like, you know, maybe this person went to Duke and then they played for the Lakers and they played for this team. It's like, all right, like he's been around probably some studs in our profession. So it's like, just listen to them. Like what worked for them? What didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Henderson was like one of my first pros that was a true veteran. He played Indianapolis. He was a Hoosier back in like Bobby uh, – night days mm-hmm. and he was a 37 year old veteran right that played like emergency minutes probably for us mm-hmm. he wrapped himself up like spider-man in in a band i've never i still have never seen anything like it like he i don't even know what it was but he wrapped his whole body up and was just doing like these things and i never i never stopped him i let him do it the whole year and then you know it's probably looks at like, no, like that's wrong. Like that stuff's not right for him. I'm like, well, he's a 37 year old vet right. and his job on this team isn't playing minutes. It's, it's, it's teaching rookies how to be a veteran. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, that's why I never like, I, I wanted to stop him a few times and change things. I'm like, what am I going to change for him at this point? It's his last year. Yeah. And I just happened to get him for one season and he's here to like help Sam down bear and help some of the younger guys at that point. So, that's why it's like, I always just sit back and I listen, I observe, and that's just it for me. Nice. Good. Yeah. Um, any closing thoughts, Jim, Rob, about um, anything we've talked about? Anything you want to, you know, tell some younger coaches or, or just put out there for the world to hear? Because you're very wise in your old age, Jim. You I am 40. Offer. I am 40. <laughs> No, I think it's like, I think we are, we are the one position that a kid works with skills, coach, head coaches, whatever else. I think we're the ones that can, we understand it the most and we can help the other ones the most. Right. Um, Like the head coach isn't going to come to us and tell us how to squat. Right. Uh, The skills coach isn't going to come to us and tell us how to, you know, do a kettlebell swing, but we understand stress. We understand load management. We understand schedules. Right. And we can, I think we can help them organize these things better for, you know, the protection of the kid, um, progressions of the teams, everything like that. Just help people get organized and educate. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's instead of just do, 
right? Just have a, have a reason why. Like teach coaches the why. You know, there's a reason why they run a play in a game. There's a reason why they call for, you know, swing on this pitch and don't swing on that pitch in a, in a count, right? Mm-hmm. Have a why for the training. Have a why for the conditioning. Have a why for what you're, you're putting in that's our, our profession. And, uh, you know, just, just be a guidance. Yep. I completely agree. We are the stress managers that have, uh, understand all those different things. And we should, hopefully we can become the people that can manage that for the athlete and guide them in the right direction because, because we have understandings of all that different stuff. Right. I agree. Cool. Well, thank you, Jim. We appreciate you joining us today. Um, everyone listening. Um, thank you for listening. We truly appreciate you guys listening and please share if you, if you like the content, um, please also, if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, email me, John at J O N at precision performance PT.com. And, uh, again, thanks again for listening guys. We'll talk to you soon. Did you know we now offer personalized remote programming, one-on-one video telehealth sessions and mentorships for both students and professionals. If you're interested in any one of these, please email John at J-O-N at precisionperformancept.com and he can help you get started today.